We're so glad you're joining us this morning. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and we are just so thankful to be able to celebrate Easter. And Easter is a time where we remember this historical event that happened 2,000 years ago, and that's the fact that Jesus not only was crucified and buried, but he rose from the dead and showed up to over 500 witnesses. And so today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive. And in his defeat of sin and death and defeating Satan himself, he provides this newness of life for each and every one of us. And so as we think about that, I want to kind of give a pep rally feel for King Jesus. And so what I want to encourage you to do right now is just to applaud Jesus, give your neighbor a fist bump, whoever you're watching this with, do an elbow bump. If you are with your family, maybe give a hug and say, yes, Jesus, we're excited to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And so I'm thankful to be able to do that and to do that with you this morning. And one of the things I want to do as we celebrate Easter is I want to not only remember what Christ has done for us, but I also want to kick off this brand new teaching series with you called Run Your Race. And Run Your Race is based off Hebrews 12 and 13. And all throughout 2021, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. And so we're getting towards the end of it, but we're focusing on the last two chapters in this teaching series. And one of the things I want to encourage you to do in order to get the most out of this time together this morning and even beyond is to download the app. And so if you go to riverbendonline.org, right there on the website, you'll see information of where the app is and, and how you can download that and have that available for yourselves. And in that, you'll also see what's called Sunday Essentials. And so it will give you the notes to follow along with today's message, as well as a connection card for you to write in if you're new to our church or if you've been with us for some time. We don't have information about you and and you want to share anything regarding yourselves and or you want to get plugged in or make any type of decision, we want to let you know that's available right there, and that way we can follow up with you as well. But again, we're so glad you're here with us today as we're celebrating Easter. And as we think about this idea of run your race, one of the most important parts of us succeeding in the life that we are intended to live and created for is to be able to stay in the lane of our lives. And recently I got this car. It's a crazy God story, and I won't go into all the details of of how I got this car. But this car has this feature where it lets me know when I'm going outside my lane. It lets me know when I'm going outside my lane. And it does this. And it's just indicating to me, hey, you're going into somebody else's lane? And not only are you going into somebody else's lane, it also shows me if there's a car right there, but it also reveals to me if we're stopped and there's a car in front of me, that the car in front of me is moving forward. And it allows me to know, hey, it's time for you to move as well. And in our lives, we need to know when we're in or out of our lane and also when it's time to move forward. We all need that. We're all intended to experience that type of life in order to step fully in to the race that we were created to run. And so as we think about that, here's a question I want to give us today. And it's a simple question. And it's this, what is your race and how will you run it? What is your race and how will you run it? Because we need to know not only the race that we're to run, but how we're to go about it. And I'm just so thankful as we've been going through this journey in the book of of Hebrews 
it helps us to know that we're running after Jesus and what he has for us, this one who is resurrected, this one who is alive, this one who's greater than it all, this one that allows us to step into defining moments in our lives, but this one who also goes before us as we run our race in this life. But also it shows us how we're to run. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to break down these three verses today. And I'm so excited, not only about this new teaching series, but for us to journey through the rest of Hebrews over these next couple of weeks. But listen to what it says here. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I was talking to Matt and Deb Utesh, who are the coaches of the track and field team at Lehigh University. And they have built an incredible program there. But as we are talking about these verses, Deb mentioned to me that when you hear this idea of a great cloud of witnesses, it actually speaks to those who have gone before you. So I think about Matt and Deb Utesh. They are the coaches at Lehigh University. So they've run ahead of those new students that have come into that program. And you know, in our faith journey, we need people like that as well. We need the great cloud of witnesses that remind us of who this God is and what he is capable of doing and what he's able to do in us as well. And Hebrews 11 really lays out for us prior to this chapter. That's why it says, therefore, it's there for a reason, as maybe you've heard before. But therefore, really speaks to what happened in the previous chapter. All the people who had this great faith, these imperfect, flawed people who had this great faith in God that superseded even their failures. And how God showed up in their own lives and how he was the substance of their faith. And we all need, in order to run our race, a great cloud of witnesses. We need people that when we look at their lives, we say, hey, you're a Hebrew chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 type of follower of Jesus. We need people like that. And I love how my mom used to tell that to some of the people in her life. She said, hey, when I look at your life, in my book, you are a Hebrews chapter 11 type of person of faith. And we, we all need people like that because this isn't a sport. This isn't a race that we're meant to run on our own. We're meant to run with others. We're meant to run with those who have gone before us, who are cheering us on, who are reminding us of the goodness of God and what he's up to in our lives, as well as to run alongside others. In other words, we are intended for community. And if you think about marathon running, as my friend Deb Utesh would tell me, she says, when I, you run a marathon, there are people who are running with you. And as you run with them, you start to form a sense of community. There's things that are written on, on her shirts at times. Specifically, she was telling me how she has Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 on her shirt and how people would like, hey, what does that mean? And she could jump in to tell them what that passage is. And others who knew what that, those verses were were like, whoa, I love that. I love that. And they're just cheering you on. And in our lives, we need this great cloud of witnesses to cheer us on, and we also need people to run alongside us. And I want you to think about who is your great cloud of witnesses of faith? Who are those people in your life? Who are those people that you look up to? And then who could you be that for in the who could you be that for in their own lives, in their own faith journeys as well as they run 
their race. Because we all need that. We all need someone that we're looking up to. And we also need to help those who are on the journey as well. Those who are behind us in the race of life. But then it says to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so I want you to be thinking about this idea of, of hindering. Hindering isn't just something that's bad. Sometimes it's what's good, but not what's best. What is it in your life that is hindering you right now? What is it that is entangling you? Because he says the sin that so easily entangles us. It trips us up. What are those things? Because he says if you're going to run the race, the race that Jesus has for you, you've got to get rid of everything. You've got to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and, and as I was talking to, to Matt and Deb, they, they talk about as you prepare for a run, you don't run in your, your jumpsuit. <laughs> you, you run in, in your shorts. You run in, in the shirt that you have that represents the school that you're in. Anything that's going to allow you to have more free movement and motion as you're running, you're going to do that. You want to throw off the things that are unnecessary for you, the things that aren't necessary for you to continue to run. And so as you think about that in your own life, as you think about that in your own journey, imagine, imagine trying to run with this book bag on. And, and there's all kinds of stuff in this book bag. There's a laptop in here. There's a cord in here. There's books in here. There's all kinds of things. And you may be able to do a sprint. You may be able to do a sprint with this. But if you're going to run a marathon, you're not going to be able to fully run the best you could run. In fact, you may even have to stop. You may even be sidelined because you've got to, you've got to free yourself to run the race that you were intended to. But if you are hindered or entangled, if there's something that's entrapping you, that could be mentally speaking, emotionally, physically. You know, these are all types of things that come, come become a barrier for us as we are running in a literal sense, but also in a spiritual sense as well. So we have to take that book bag off. We've got to hand that over. We've got to give that to Jesus. We've got to lay that aside. And that leads us to this point as we think about this in our own lives. First is this, who are your great cloud of witnesses? I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to make a list of who are your great cloud of witnesses. Who are the people in your life that go before you? I've been recently doing this. I've been watching not only those who have gone before me, but even those that God has raised up in our own church or those that God has brought into the Lehigh Valley. And I made a list recently on a whiteboard, on paper. I did it in different ways. And it was just so encouraging to be reminded of all those who remind us to keep going, to keep going after what Jesus has for us. And again, we want to be that type of person for others as well. We don't want just a great cloud of witnesses. We want to become a great cloud of witnesses of faith for others as well. And then the next part of this is this. Simply, we run our race when we get rid of anything that hinders and entangles us from running well. We run our race when we get rid of anything that hinders and entangles us from running well. So a question for you to consider what is hindering and entangling you from running your race? What is it right now in your life? We need to be able to identify those things that are entangling us, that are entangling us, or 
hindering us. And sometimes it's both, right? Hindering and entangling. We're experiencing that at the same time. What are those things? And it's not always between bad versus good. Sometimes it's good versus best. Sometimes in our lives, we need to put down what's good to go after what's best. And that's where we need time to discern that. Because what we want to do is we want to be free to run the race that we're intended to run. And whatever is entangling you as well, we need to throw that right off. We need to throw that off. We need to cut that off. And that's why the great cloud of witnesses and having people run alongside us is important. Because we may be able to come to that decision before Jesus to, again, identify what's hindering us and entangling us and then throwing it off. But we're going to need others to help us to continue on that race, to continue so that we can stay focused. And then it goes on. It says this here in Hebrews 12 too. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And so what it, what it says here is it says, let us run with perseverance. Let us have this resilient type of, of life. And I've been reading this book recently called The Resilient Life by Gordon McDonald. And in it, he talks about how often people say, hey, once you hit your 40s, you're pretty much done with your life. He says a lot of people resign at that point in time. But he says, actually, if you're resilient, your 40s and beyond are the best parts of your life. And why is that? Well, you get to learn the lessons leading up to that point and apply them for the next half of your life. But it's easy to start kind of cruising through life and start drifting through it versus having the perseverance, versus leaning in. And that's why we need to look to Jesus, as it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith because he is a a race that's marked out for us. And the only way we're going to be able to really run this race is to see the one who is the pioneer of our faith. He's the initiator of it, and he's the perfecter of it. Because while we're not perfect, he is perfect. And what he has experienced for us and what he's completed for us has been done perfectly, even when we cannot measure up. Because I know so many of us, we're used to white-knuckle kind of Christianity, right? Or, or some of us, we've thought, hey, you know what? I can buy my peace with the possessions I have, with my platform in life, with, with the power that I possess. But we're still lacking peace. And we're like, where does that peace come from? Well, it comes when we look to the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who has initiated it for us, and we look to what he has done for us, and we keep pace with Jesus. We let Jesus set the pace in our lives. And so as we consider that, here's something that's so key for us all. We run our race with perseverance by keeping pace with Jesus. And if you talk to any runner, as I was talking to Deb Utesh, she talks about how you have to learn the pace and you have to get at the point where you're able to keep the pace you want in order to go the length of the run, the marathon that you're running. You need to be able to have that pace in mind and be able to, to keep that pace. And you learn that over time, and then the day of the race, you're ready to go. In the same way, as followers of Jesus, we're able to run the race that he has for us with perseverance when we keep pace with Jesus. Jesus sets the pace. And sometimes what Jesus says to do is he says to stop. <laughs> sometimes what Jesus says to do is walk. Sometimes what Jesus says to do is to jock. Sometimes what Jesus says to do is to run really, really, really fast, right? But the way we're going to know that is to keep pace with him. 
And that's why we need to continue to stay closer and closer and closer to him. We need to allow our lives to be so interconnected to who he is that no matter what it is that's going on, no matter what it is that's potentially hindering and entangling us, we look to him and say, Jesus, I got my eyes on you. And it reminds me of what my, my friend Kevin was telling me one day. Kevin went to his child's school, and they were in kindergarten, and as they were doing what kindergartners do as activity time was going on, you can imagine them trying to corral the kids back together. And Kevin was doing everything he could do to get the kids to calm down and be quiet. He's like, all right, kids, come on, we need to focus. It's time to change and transition into the next thing, next activity. We need to be quiet. Let's use our quiet voices. But no matter what he did, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work. And then walks in, walks in the elementary school teacher, the kindergarten teacher. And as the kindergarten teacher walks in, what she simply does quietly and calmly and says the following. One, two, three. All eyes on me. And then the kids respond, four, five, six, our eyes are fixed. Let's do that together. One, two, three, all eyes on me. Four, five, six, our eyes are fixed. And as, as you think about what was being done there, it was a recentering exercise. And I think about in our own lives, we're, there are times where we, get, we drift away. We're looking at what somebody else is doing. We're looking at the lanes next to us. And, and we're not focused in on Jesus and what he has for us. We're focused on the circumstances of our lives or what's going on in the world and the culture. Not that we shouldn't care about those things. We definitely should. But there are times where it keeps our eyes off Jesus, who's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And we need to be brought back to him. And so whenever you feel yourself drifting, just simply do that. One, two, three. All eyes on me. Four, five, six. Our eyes are fixed. And to fix your eyes on Jesus, whatever the worry, whatever the anxiety that it is that you're feeling and experiencing, that allows us to recenter ourselves on who Jesus is. Well, it continues on. It says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. It sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I want you to hear this because as we keep our eyes on Jesus, I want you to know he has his eyes on us already. It says for the joy set before him. Do you know you are that joy? Say that out loud to me. I am the joy. <laughs> I am the joy that this passage is talking about. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the joy. Because the joy was not only pleasing his heavenly father, the joy was us being made right before a holy and righteous God. The joy is what allowed him to endure the cross, scorning its shame. He took on the shame that had our name on it. And he shamed shame forever. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, meaning not only did he experience all of our shame and take it on, was crucified and murdered and buried, and he rose from the dead, but then he ascended up to heaven. He's at the right hand of the throne of God, being the one who reminds us anew and afresh what he's accomplished for 
us. That we would know we have his perfection and his holiness and righteousness added to our account. This is who we are before a holy and righteous God. And this is available for those who have said, Jesus, you are the pioneer and the perfecter of my faith. Everybody has an opportunity to come in. Everybody can receive what Jesus has done. But we have to come to the point where we recognize that we're unable to do it. And it's only through trusting in Jesus that we're able to experience what it is that he has for us. It's only through him, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. It's only through him that we get this fullness of joy and hope and peace. It's only through him. And he says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. He endured so much for you and he did it for me because we are his joy. But as you think about the opposition that comes your way in your life, remember what it costs Christ. And it says so that we won't grow weary. We won't grow weary in well-doing. We won't grow weary in the midst and the weight of suffering and pain that we're experiencing and lose heart. And there's a natural exhaustion that comes in when you're running. But the way that we're able to go the distance is to remember the victory that Christ has won for us, but also to count the cost of Christ. And that's why it's so important beyond just these major holidays like Christmas and Good Friday and Easter. Those are important, absolutely. But throughout the year, we look and we stand with Jesus and we see all that he has done for us and all that he is and how he went about living his life here on the earth. And so if you haven't, I want to encourage you to first of all put your faith and trust in Jesus. But if you haven't read the Gospels recently, I want to invite you to do that as well. It's a great way for you to further explore who this Jesus is. Well, as we think about what we've read here, a couple of things I want to give you. First is that we run our race by remembering the victory is already won. It says that Jesus is not only resurrected, but now he's ascended up. He's at the right hand, the right hand of, of God, at the throne of God, and that he's going to return one day, and he's going to make all things new. And so we live in light of that resurrection because of what he's done for us. There's a resurrection power that he provides for us through our faith in him. And that resurrection power reminds us how he's defeated our sin and, our, and death and, and Satan himself once and for all. And that doesn't mean there's not an ongoing battle, but it allows us to know that the ultimate victory is ours in Christ Jesus. But there's also a day coming where he's going to make all things new. So we run our race by remembering the victory is already won. But then the next part is this. We run our race when we consider the cost of Christ. Consider what it cost him. Remember, it says, you were his joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the scorn and the shame of the cross. It was such a shameful way to die, if not the most shameful way to die. As he was there on the cross, what kept him on there was what his father had for him, but also the joy that was set before him. You are that joy. You are that joy. And so what do you have your eyes on as you run? What do you have your eyes on as you run? And maybe you need to do like my friend was sharing again that story with us. One, two, three, all eyes on me. Four, five, six, my eyes are fixed. 
My eyes are fixed. But who do you have your eyes on as you run? Are you looking to yourself? Are you looking to somebody else? Are you looking at what others are doing? What is it for you? Is it your circumstances? Is it what's going on politically, culturally? And again, nothing wrong with knowing those things. But are they getting in the way of you seeing Jesus for who he is and having your eyes fixed on him? Because we're to have our eyes fixed on him. And as we have our eyes fixed on him, then we can run the race that we're intended to run. So who do you have your eyes on as you run? Well, I want you to know the good news is Jesus never takes his eyes off you. Jesus has his eyes on you. He has his eyes on you. And as Jesus has his eyes on you, this can sound almost like a parent. <laughs> I got my eyes on you, right? Like I'm watching you. Oh, you know. But I want to hear us to hear it from more of a place of affection and love and care and leadership. He has his eyes on us because we are his joy. And he's paid a great price for each and every one of us. And so there's this tender care, this tender love that he wants to give each and every one of us. He wants to lead us forward. And and not only does he want to care for us, he wants to challenge us where we need to grow. But he's never going to do it in a way that is condemning. It's always going to be from a deep place of convincing us through conviction of who he is and what he says of us and has for us. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's why runners are able to run. They are convinced that it's part of their not only hobby, but part of their life. It's an important part of what they do. It's not everything, but it's a, for some, it's, it's almost everything, right? In life as well, as we run with Jesus, we need to be reminded afresh and anew what he says of us and he has for us. And that's why it's important that not only do we fix our eyes on him, but that Jesus, Jesus is the one that we not only look to, but realize he's looking at us as well. He's walking with us. He's, he's the one, again, that sets that pace for us. And so we have to keep our eyes on him. Well, I want to give us a simple prayer to pray today in light of this. And, and then I want you to consider, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you've decided today I'm going to put my trust in Jesus to let us know that on that connection card that I mentioned early on today. Let's pray together. A simple prayer that I want us to pray together on three. One, two, three. Jesus, today I put my trust in you. I want to thank you for enduring the shame of the cross because you call us your joy. I commit to run my race by keeping my eyes on you. This is in response to you as the pioneer and perfecter of my faith. 